This is Anshu Bahanda on Wellness Curated. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. My mission is to empower you with health and wellness so that you can then go and empower others. Hi, Seema. Welcome to our chat. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll start with what is wellness to you? Anshu, to me, I think um, wellness is something that comes from inside. It's, it's a feeling that comes from within. Um, because if you feel well on the inside, it, it shows on the outside, put it this way. Right. You know, if there is, um, you know, we, we talk about all sorts of different things that make us well, make us feel happy and so on. But for me, wellness is really that feeling of happiness or that feeling of feeling good. Mm-hmm. And that is what then leads every other part of the brain to tell your body that you're feeling good. And that's where wellness begins. That's amazing. Okay. And tell me now, let's take the Kama Sutra. People have a particular perception of it, which I know from talking to you quite a lot, that it's, it's not what the general perception is. Can you tell us a little bit about it? I know you can talk for days and days and days on the Kama Sutra, but just briefly, what, what is it and what makes it so special? So, okay, it's a very simple thing, actually. Um, The Kama Sutra, most people think, is a book about positions because Mm -hmm. it's a treatise. It was written as a treatise, which means that it's written in a particular set of grammar and um, in a particular set of metaphors. And when you do not understand what those things mean, and the only word you understand is positions, Mm -hmm. And that's what you focus on. The positions are the tiniest part. I mean, it is such a tiny part of it. Um, And it's actually also has a very relevant position. The positions have a very relevant position in the Kama Sutra. They're there for a reason. They're not for acrobatics. But the Kama Sutra itself is a book about social conduct. It's written Mm -hmm. in seven sections. So it's quite a long book. Mm -hmm. Section two is what focuses on the arts of love. And uh, the text, interestingly, was written for men mm-hmm. because this is a time, it's written in 300-something AD, when women were not taught how to read or write. So the book is originally written for men to teach men how to pleasure a woman or to teach men how to treat a woman. And well, isn't that amazing? In 300 AD, they were thinking about pleasuring a woman. Absolutely. And they believed that if a woman got that pleasure, you know, that pleasure was the path to heaven. I, I, I know you've heard me tell this story and I absolutely I love, love it. it. I love this story the story of yours. The fact that um, every king who ever came to the, most people think there is one Kama Sutra. There isn't. There are several thousand. Because um, every king who came to the throne would have a text of the Kama Sutra commissioned because they believed that if a couple, if two people were engaged if they shared in truly mutually pleasurable intimacy, truly mutually pleasurable, then that relationship would be stable. And if the relationship was stable, society would be stable. And if society was stable, the kingdom would be stable. Wow. And I just think that it's unbelievable that, you know, and when you think about it, isn't that true, though? Isn't that somewhere where you can actually so I always say that you know we do this for national security really we have these talks for (laughs) for the sake of um, understanding national security but you know it was seen as the path to heaven Mm 
-hmm. It was seen as the what would balance the universe. And pleasure, I should also add over here, is a word over time that we have adopted. Um, it's an English word. It's not an original Sanskrit word. Mm -hmm. And it's also, um, it comes with a lot of baggage. Right. But pleasure back then didn't quite mean what it does now. Pleasure meant an awakening of the senses. Mm -hmm. So where your nerve endings, where everything comes awake inside you, as opposed to the um, the the lethargy that senses seem to drop into. You know, we live a sort of habitual life. We fall mm -hmm. into a kind of monotony and yeah. the senses get dulled. Right. And with dulled senses, your nerve endings are not awake. Everything that your body's supposed to be doing on the inside is not, it's not being done. And so pleasure was what raised your metabolism. It got you going. Right. Um, and so, exactly. yeah. It, it, yeah. So I, like I said, you know, for, for me, it is the basis of our living lives. Seema, your next book can be Pleasure for Weight Loss. You okay. said get the metabolism going. I've it never does. heard anyone say that. That's incredible. Well, it's a fact. You know, when all your senses wake up, everything functions better. That's where, that's the energy. You know, most people think of the energy as the kundalini and then you have to meditate and you get it up and you use it to meditate and go onto a higher plane. The energy courses through your body. It has to bring everything alive. And yeah. the very first thing that it goes past are your sexual organs. It is going to energize them. Right. Amazing. Um, yeah. So now tell me, can intimacy lead to wellness? And how can intimacy lead to wellness? Okay. And on so, the other hand, if someone didn't have intimacy in their life, how do they get to wellness? So let's point out a couple of things. Interestingly, the idea of celibacy, mm -hmm. again, back, you know, when we talk about Tantra, when we talk about mm -hmm. pleasure, etc., we talk about it from the terms of Sanskrit. Celibacy doesn't necessarily mean that you are not having sex. Right. Okay. It's about what is being aroused inside you. Mm -hmm. And it's about where you are focusing your energies and how you focus your energies. So that's okay. one thing. Okay. Secondly, um, so this is the basics. I mean, you know, let me just sort of say this bit first, and then we'll come to the, uh, you know, how it impacts us today. Secondly, did you know, Anshu, that there was this entire thought process that you could use certain sexual positions to heal chronic illnesses? Oh, my God. That yeah. is amazing. So imagine, if you will, a bottle and you fill it with yeah. water and whichever way you turn the bottle, the water will flow in that direction. Right. So um, the idea is that when you have uh, when you perform a particular sexual position, the energy is aroused. It flows in a particular way. Mm -hmm. And it was just the way that position was performed, you know, uh, uh, sort of how much time it took, how many mm -hmm. thrusts, etc. There, there was a whole science behind it. But yes, you can. Um, actually cure chronic conditions everything Absolutely. from everything from low hemoglobin right. to gastric wind oh to, my God. yeah i mean there's a whole bunch of things from um from this and even till now there aren't that many left in india but they still are in places like tibet in china mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you have practitioners you can go to mm -hmm. 
so if you're a woman you can actually go to a practitioner who's a man and if you're a man you can go to a practitioner who's a woman right. and you actually can have this um, the sex the sexual therapy oh for my god that's yourself. incredible yeah. it's amazing that there is you know i guess it's it's a lot like maybe acupuncture it it's is about the energy and what merid you know directing the removing the blockages from the meridians yes absolutely and the most difficult uh one to get past is your second chakra from the bottom so if right. you can say it's known as the swadeshtan chakra yes, yes. okay uh, which basically translated means the dwelling of the self so that's the mm -hmm. core of your being that's mm -hmm. where your life force is based right. and if you want to try and find it for anybody who's not aware um if you it's like a four finger width just below your belly button right so if you trace a finger around to the back right. so you know where it is in the front the back it is the one that gets blocked the most it's the most difficult to get your energy past the swadeshtan chakra okay. and so a lot of our meditations our breathing exercises um the, the sexual therapy etc is all focused on clearing that particular gateway that chakra right. Okay. but Thank talking you. in terms of a more generic sort of thing so you know most people will say to you that um if you actually google um i think it's google md i think that's the 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 medical base on right. on the internet right and they will tell you that sex is extremely good for you physically it can help you to um de-stress mm -hmm. it improves your memory etc etc now the idea behind it is like i said it's about raising certain shaktis raising certain energies inside you and those energies power your nerve endings mm -hmm. and that's what leads to better health if wow. you do not have a partner I don't want you to worry there is a way of course of raising these energies either way to me pleasure is distinct from sex the two things are not necessarily um together it, it, you know they're not mutually exclusive and they're not terribly tied together as well right pleasure comes in many many forms many ways okay lovely and tavisi ma'am i'm sure you've been hearing this a lot but relevant to where we are today there is you know people have been in lockdown they've been in small confined spaces they're working they're seeing the same person they're trying to homeschool kids kids are getting on their nerves spouses are getting on each other's nerves what what would you advise people like that you know so, like i have so many people it's valentines day what are you doing and they'd say what do you mean what are we doing we've been doing the same thing for the last year and i'm like oops so <laughs> okay so um the thing that i have been advising through this is that like i said pleasure intimacy there's so much more to it than merely sex mm -hmm. okay for pleasure i would suggest that time spent by yourself if you can get some is mm -hmm. extremely important because as they always say that you know you appreciate the sunlight because you know that there is darkness mm -hmm. you appreciate the togetherness because you know you can be away mm -hmm. so to get more out of um, a shared intimacy mm -hmm. please spend consciously spend time away from each other make more of holding hands sit in front of the television or even not in front of the tv and actually just very gently hold hands you wouldn't mm -hmm. believe how much comfort and just 
you know, just the, that little warm feeling that you get from just being able to do that. It's unbelievable. Don't even hold hands fully if you don't want to. Just link your four fingers. Mm-hmm. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes. Just try it and sit quietly, just doing that. Don't just think, okay. I've done that. This is a formula. <laughs> e plus C square something will lead to this. It doesn't. Give it a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. The um, Kamchastras always say that the the thing that truly melts away stress between mm-hmm. two people mm-hmm. is to either share a funny story, a naughty story, or gossip. Right. So in this right. case, I am saying to you that for your health. Yeah. Do please mm-hmm. share some gossip with your partner. It's unbe- you know it's like when you play cards. You know if you yeah. gamble, yeah. somehow time disappears. Yeah, you yeah. don't think of anything else. Yeah. That's what happens when you share a little bit of gossip. Time disappears. Right. You drop all your inhibitions, all your stress, and for a little while, it yeah. just brings you closer together. Just try it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, Great. Lord Shiva's very first point was that. Um, Tickle each other, right? And if you can make each other laugh, it dissolves the stress between you. Okay. Um, so I think those are little tiny tips that might that be is. really useful. So also now, when books like the Kama Sutra were written, right, the average life lifespan was what forty, fifty years or so. Today, it's believed that every generation, every generation is living ten years longer. and you know like our generation may live to be 100 the next generation will probably live to be 110 um so what do you think will happen with sing- with single partners with monogamy with marriage so i have to say anju that this is a question that i got asked every single Thanks, time no matter so what the, the younger is- generation asks us this all the time so i'm sure you've had it so many times So I personally think that monogamy is again about understanding what you mean by monogamy. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking in traditional terms that you know it's about sort of dumping your partner and moving on to another one because the chemistry is gone. Now, um the Kama Sutra says that the best sex, so let's go one step at a time. Mm-hmm. The best mm-hmm. sex mm-hmm. is with somebody that you've been with for a very long time. Mm-hmm. because the chemistry is gone which means that you will take it much slower you have to right. put a lot more effort into it right. and when you do that the whole arousal takes a different turn and great sex can be of many different types it's please remember your sex your orgasm mm-hmm. your sexual experience your orgasm is not a race to the finish okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Imagine it's like a train journey. You can get off at almost any station that you want. Right. Okay? You've got a day pass. You can get off anywhere you want. Treat it as that. So um, you know you need to be able to understand that there's so much more that goes into pleasure. Just the touching of the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of intimacy. Kissing. Just being together. The whole idea of being with somebody who you are comfortable with mm-hmm. has. a lot of benefits when it comes to a sexual relationship right. and if we say that there is so much pleasure in sex mm-hmm. then frankly you see somebody you've got this great big arousal this burst of ejaculation and you're done then you haven't experienced any of those pleasures so in order to do that you actually need to be with somebody that you have been with for a long time but my point is that monogamy is a social construct Mm-hmm. but we live within this society 
-hmm. And hence, it is something that you need to think about. If you want to live within society, there are certain rules that you live by. A lot of people feel, oh, well, monogamy is an outdated concept. You know, a lot of people use this as an excuse. Anything that you want to do for the long term, you're going to have to work at it. Right. And it does yes. take a Very lot of working point. at. Okay. Yes. It does. It does take a lot of work. But it's like you said, you know, we live to be maybe, I don't know, 80 years old. You want to be healthy, right? Mm -hmm. For that entire time, mm -hmm. which means that you're going to work on your physical health. You're going to exercise. You cannot say, I exercised when I was 22 years old mm -hmm. and that should last me till I'm 80 years old. You can't do that. You can't say that. Absolutely. So it's the same thing for your sexual relationship. And I'll tell you one other thing. You know, whatever you might think is is there on the other side of the fence. Mm -hmm. Trust me, everything comes to exactly the same point. Think ultimately, yes. Ultimately. Yes. So don't be so quick to sort of jump over the fence and go elsewhere. Work at it. It's truly, in the long run, it's worth working at. Lovely. Thank you. And if you can, actually, I remember this line from a Elizabeth Taylor movie years ago. I think it was called Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Mm -hmm. It said, if a marriage is on the rocks, the rocks are generally in the bed. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Now, whether this is absolutely true or not, I don't know. But why not work towards it? And it's hard. It's not easy to do. Go with that. Yeah. Understand lovely. it. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. And um, when you were studying the Kama Sutra and when you wrote your book, Arts of Seduction, what were some of the more unusual and interesting things that you discovered? So I'll tell you what I did discover. And I, this is when I decided to write the book. It's when I discovered that the idea of intimacy was considered so beautiful. It wasn't just that, oh, this was a really open society and they believed that sex was a good thing. And no, it was because they believed that it was an art form. If it was mm -hmm. going to last you all your life, you had to be a virtuoso at it. You know, yes. you treat it like an art form. It was beautiful. It was elegant. It was subtle. And so even your positions, you learned them you know, each position is indicated by a piece of jewelry. So you never say, oh, she climbs on top. You say she put on her jingling girdle or whatever. Right. But you learned to execute each position by wearing a piece of jewelry and understanding how that piece of jewelry should move on you. Oh, amazing. That yeah. sounds amazing. So that's when I thought this has to go further. I mean, till then, of course, we talked about perfume and the whole idea of perfuming your, perfuming your body. Like I said, you don't need a partner for this. Your skin mm. is like an erogenous zone altogether. And just loving yourself by rubbing yourself with perfume, with different types of oils is just so good for you. Mm. It's self-love. It makes you feel amazing. But I loved this idea. It was so complex and so fabulous that if you have a nine string necklace of pearls, mm -hmm. you would wear that and understand how those pearls need to move to be able to perform the sitting position. Right. Wow. I'm not going to tell you anymore. Oh, wow. Because that's for another time. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. My God. That sounds magical, actually. Because I know. And it just it changes. So elegantly put. Yeah. You know, it was handled so beautifully through jewelry. That's amazing. And I personally think that the Kamshastras of ancient India were written by women. 
um, because the Kama Sutra really does focus on on the pleasure of women. So it, it doesn't say, okay, now fine, you've had half an hour of this or one hour of this, now move on, come on. It's a, it doesn't. It actually says, you know, it could take days. It says that when you first get married, you do not expect to have sex with your wife if she's a virgin, if you don't know her on the first day. You should either wait three days, six days or nine days, depending on how shy she is, bringing her to that point. Because it says that if you actually force yourself on her on day one, you may just put her off sex for the rest of your life and you're yeah. the one who lose out. Yeah, yeah. Wow. How fabulous Amazing, is that? amazing. And there's something you said to me which really struck with me was how this was about getting, attaining almost equality for women. 300 yes. AD. Amazing, isn't it? It wow. is. It was about um, saying that if you know, okay, so it wasn't about social equality uh, because, well, you couldn't go that far. So you had mm -hmm. to start somewhere. So it says, make them equal. A woman is equal um, in the bedroom. She has an equal right to pleasure, mm -hmm. which is something that we still don't believe. Um, mm -hmm. And that she has an equal right to consent. Yes. And it says that if you cannot even give her that status and respect in the bedroom, which is the most private mm -hmm. of the spaces, how can you expect that she will have that outside? Outside. So wow. it's the first yeah. book that actually talks about equality. Yeah. And um, it's a very brave book. Sorry, Anshu, just want yeah. to yeah, say. Yeah, go ahead. Because till then, it had been believed that, um, you know, that, that as a woman, you did not have an independent source of pleasure. Oh, they believed wow. that, yeah, that you're, because you see, you see a man's um, uh, hard on, you see a man ejaculate. Mm. You cannot see a woman's pleasure rising. There's no physical manifestation of it. Right. So they believed that a woman's pleasure depended on the pleasure of a man, that that's where it came from. Oh, wow. So this is the first book that says, no, a woman has independent sources of pleasure and it has nothing to do with a man. Right. Lovely. Um, so the mission here, as you know, is to empower humanity. That's my mission with health and wellness. With that in mind, before we open up to questions from people, what advice would you give people? So, you know, a lot of people believe that pleasure is, a lot of women particularly believe that pleasure is taboo. Uh, or at least for women, taboo. It's, taboo. It's, okay. Yeah, it's not permitted. A lot of women, you know, over the centuries, one has come to believe that pleasure is not a woman's privilege. It's a man's privilege. So pleasure is very much a taboo thing and women will not even think of their own pleasure. Most women have no idea that they're capable of pleasure. Okay. And a lot of them also believe when they go into a sexual relationship that it is their partner's, or this is what they've been led to believe, it's their partner's um, role to bring them to pleasure. Okay. Your pleasure is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. You have to open up those channels in your brain which say that you deserve pleasure, you have the right to it. You have to start to explore what gives you pleasure before you can tell somebody else. Mm -hmm. And your partner, if you've got one, is there to be part of your pleasure. They will take part in it, but they're not responsible for your pleasure. You are responsible for your own pleasure. Interesting. Now that, that goes to what we tell everybody. You're responsible for everything in your life. Take responsibility. Lovely. Absolutely. That's lovely, Seema. In some religions, uh, is lust stroke pleasure not a vice? 
I don't know whether I would attach it to a religion. Okay. You know, because I don't think that this, uh, you know, this whole idea of a woman's right to pleasure has mm -hmm. been, it's been banned in pretty much any culture in any society across the world. I can't think of very many places except for one tiny place in China where they, it's very much about a woman's pleasure. But otherwise, everywhere, it is a male privilege mm -hmm. and it has been banned for um, for women. And so I don't think that your how you need to approach this today, mm -hmm. you, that you should be worrying about um, about what an ancient religion might have said. Mm -hmm. I would like you to think about this. Don't think about it as lust. That's another thing that we really... So again, in ancient India, we have this amazing idea that everything is to do with love. So whether mm -hmm. you hate somebody or you're indifferent or whether you're lusting or whether you're loving or you're feeling... Everything comes out of that one spring, that one fountain. Mm -hmm. It's all to do with karma. It's all love. Mm -hmm. It's just different aspects of love. Right, love, and and no um, emotion is ever unchangeable. Mm -hmm. So what's love today can change to hate. What's hate today can change to love, and so on. Uh, the mind is a very, very fluid, unbalanced kind of place, okay. Okay. and you cannot trust the mind to 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 kind of help you to walk the path. Okay. Let's be real. The mind has to be brought into balance all the time. And the mind is uh, pretty fickle. It changes all the time. So I think that it's important to understand that pleasure is a particular part of your inner being. It's part mm -hmm. of your core. It's a mm -hmm. shakti. It's an mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. And that, um, sorry, this, this idea that in some religions, some things are taboo. I'm not going to tell you what other people in other religions might feel, I just feel that this is something that should come from within you. Treat it as an energy. Lovely. That's that's very well uh, put. Treat it as an energy. And I mean, I, can't, I can talk about Hinduism, right? Because and Shakti is such an important part of Hinduism. You say it's to do with Shakti, right? Yeah, um, it is. It's a Shakti. We have 52 Shaktis in our body, basically. And what we tend to do is what we say is that at any point when you're going through a particular situation, you arouse the necessary Shakti that will mm -hmm. get you over um, that hiccup. But to get to those Shakti points, um, you have to first have your metabolism going. You have to get your... You have to be awake inside yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, one of the questions that came in different forms was to be associated with self-pleasuring. Is it okay? Is it guilty? You know, should we be guilty about it? Is it permitted? Is it permitted for women? So that came in different forms from different people. So um, as medics will tell you, self-pleasure is a great thing. Psychiatrists will tell you self-pleasure is a great thing. I always say it's up to you. Self-pleasure is something that comes in so many different forms, whether you're going out to buy a handbag, mm -hmm. whether you're spending two hours perfuming yourself just because you, it makes you feel really good because each perfume has a different impact on mm -hmm. different parts of your body, or whether you're actually masturbating, you know, whether you're actually exploring your body and loving yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
in any case, um, somebody actually asked me yesterday about what if your partner doesn't want you to do that? You know, your body is your own. And I really think that at some stage, we have to change the way that we think about sex and pleasure. Forget sex, actually. Let's not talk about that. We have to think about, we have changed the way that we think about mm -hmm. pleasure. Your body is your own. Your decision on how you feel pleasure should be your own. Mm. And certainly the Kama Sutra has a lot that it says about self-pleasure. So everything from, I have a whole chapter in my book, which um, is called Ungli Prayog, or the art of the curved finger. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, because it says that in Ayurveda, as you know, each finger has a different energy. So there's earth, wind, air, water, fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not in that order, of course. Mm -hmm. but So it says that when you pleasure yourself or if your partner pleasures you, each finger uh, or each combination of fingers will bring a different energy. It'll bring a different sensation. Because it carries a different energy. Okay. So if you put fire in front of water, it'll become a different energy if you put right. water in front of again. But also that each combination of fingers, um, it changes the shape of the finger that you're using. So if you've got three, uh -huh. it'll change the way that it enters you, of what part of you it touches, and mm -hmm. so on. So each one had its own um, pleasure points. Right. And there's right. a whole chapter on it. It does say, and I should put this out, that it says don't use your forefinger on its own because that just agitates. It doesn't give pleasure. So oh, wow. just a little bit of information out there. Oh, but, you know, it talks about, we always say how it's the colonial influence that destroyed the idea of pleasure in India. Well, I'll tell you what. The Kama Sutra and a lot of the Eastern um, societies have mm -hmm. this idea of the silver balls. Okay, two tiny, tiny little silver balls on a silk thread or silk ribbon, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which would be inserted inside you. One would have a little tiny drop of mercury and the other one was just a, gungru, a little bell. Mercury, wow. Okay. Well, inside, sealed okay. inside, okay. because when you walked around and mm -hmm. you were doing your housework, the mercury would heat up and start to vibrate. Right. So oh, as you wow. walked around and then it would hit against the other one, which would make a little tinkling sound. So it gave you a little bit of pleasurable sound as well as a little buzz to keep you going. And I think that's such a great idea that as you walk around doing your homework, uh, your housework, you'd get this little, you know, this little frisson, <laughs> this little bit of excitement going. And when the British East India Company came to India, there, they, there was a black market in these little silver balls because they wanted to take them back to England. And the natives in India started to provide them with normal fluid instead of mercury because mercury is more expensive. Oh, wow. So there was a whole black market. And there are cases registered in India of people being taken to court because they've given something they that didn't have the yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think privilege, pleasure was something that um, has always excited people. Seema, I also got a few questions about Tantra. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sort of, there was a couple, but it was sort of someone wanted to know what about pleasure and Tantra. Someone else was asking, how is Tantra different uh, from normal? You know, Tantra is a philosophy. Now, most people think of sting and they're like, oh, if we practice Tantra, we can have tantric sex. There is no such thing as tantric sex. Let's start with that. Mm -hmm. um, tantra is a philosophy. And the ultimate aim of tantric philosophy is to, to achieve God, is to achieve moksha, mm -hmm. like in any mm -hmm. other philosophy. But the difference is that we believe in tantra that 
everything was created by divine hand so everything is connected mm-hmm. there's no such thing as good knowledge and bad knowledge mm-hmm. so you learn everything and they understand that this thing that we call karma or love or pleasure or shakti whatever is inside us mm-hmm. is an energy that has to be aroused and it has to be taken to the next level and the next level okay and that's when we actually talk about tantra i started a while ago on my instagram page um doing every wednesday a little video yes. on tantric meditation yes which is lovely yeah. um which is literally yeah. just to explain how this is about understanding the mind exploring what goes on through your head understanding how to connect the mind to the body etc so you know as i said tantra is a it's a much stronger philosophy mm-hmm. than a lot of the others and it doesn't go for pretty stuff it's quite um it's quite strong and it's quite definitive in the fact that it wants you to go beyond this veil of illusion beyond this sanitized idea of what is good and bad right you know because there is always a flip side to everything there's an underbelly to everything Okay. And if you do not know what that underbelly is you are never going to know what the other side is properly. You okay. need to understand. It's about holistic understanding. Okay. Lovely. And can you talk about the Mahavidyas please? So the Mahavidyas are these 10 amazing goddesses who are all worshiped um with tantric practice practices mm-hmm. so they're tantric goddesses. they they have their hierarchy so the topmost one is kali mm-hmm. the bottom rung is lakshmi oh, which is wow. really interesting right. yeah lakshmi is the one that you worship the one that you leave behind as you go higher so literally mahavidya means ultimate knowledge and these are the goddesses of ultimate knowledge they take you beyond this veil of illusion to ultimate truth beyond mm-hmm. and um they're fascinating bunch of goddesses because they all are very old they've all existed for a very long time but for some reason in their own right for some reason these 10 goddesses were brought together in 1080 and made into a group called the mahavidya so like lakshmi has a mahavidya identity and she has a hindu identity so as a hindu goddess she is the wife of lord vishnu mm-hmm. she's always seen within the circle of his arms she is the ultimate goddess that you aspire to within the hindu uh, belief as a mahavidya she is generally worshiped without lord vishnu so none of the mahavidyas are worshiped with uh, male consorts interest interesting they're all um, they're independent of male consorts so it's not because they're trying to put men down or they're just independent it's a gender neutral universe that we're going towards it's okay. about shakti interesting you know okay. so yeah it's just literally it's they're a fascinating group they're very difficult to understand because if you look at them their iconography always generally has them sitting on a couple who are making love on a cremation pyre or you have wow. chinnamasta yeah th- that's how most of them are actually depicted tara is depicted like this yeah. often uh, tripura sundari and so um so you'll have a cremation pyre you have two people making love and or if they're shown in uh, positions of copulation mm-hmm. in, in positions of um, sexual intimacy mm-hmm. it's always with the goddess on the top 
Wow. Okay. So that shows the independence that because that was the position of control of right. power. Right. And uh, oh, you have Chinnamasta, you know, who's chopped off her own head, and she's holding her head in her own hand. Mm -hmm. And there are three streams of blood coming out, and two streams are feeding the two women on either side of her, and one stream is feeding her own um, her own mouth. And people look at it, and it's just difficult to understand why you would have something like this. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is that tantra is also a very, very um, esoteric philosophy it's a very secret philosophy mm -hmm. so unless you become an adept unless you become a sadhak a practitioner mm -hmm. officially you're not allowed to be told what all these things mean oh interesting okay yes so it's like a it's difficult to understand but my advice would be go find a couple of well-written books on mm -hmm. the mahavidyas read up about them there are fascinating group and even the their um, origin story of when they come out when they first appear is pretty amazing it's when sati lord shiva's first wife when she's told that she cannot go for her father's yes. um, yes. that that big um, yagna that the big fire thing that he's doing and she's so fed up by now you know mm. her father has said you cannot come because Shiva got angry with Brahma because Brahma behaved badly. I mean, you know, basically yeah. every all the men are doing men stuff. Are and they're taking the it out on her. Yeah. yeah, and they're taking it out on her. And Lord Shiva, who by now has been ignoring her for a couple of years already, and now he's saying, I don't think you should go. So it's when she loses the plot. She says, how dare you all tell me? And these goddesses emanate from her in different directions. and this is her wrathful self that comes out one after the other and you know sort of the the 10 directions are covered and it's just um there are fascinating group of people <laughs> of goddesses <laughs> even um and have you covered the mahavidyas at all in your book i don't know absolutely no, not okay. because they don't appear in the kama sutra the kama sutra has got nothing to do with tantra Okay. As I said, the uh, the Kama Sutra is a very different text, and we shouldn't confuse the two. Pleasure appears in different places. Right. The Kama Sutra was aiming at a different thing. Okay. So you know, we're, they're they're looking at social conduct. Uh, okay. So like their first chapter is about how a man should find a spot to build his house, how he should build his house, how he should decorate his house. and so on. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, okay. and uh, you know, I mean, and then it talks about some energies. For instance, did you know that the bed that you make love in, you do not actually sleep in that bed because oh, wow. the energies change. Yeah. Oh wow, amazing. Thank you so much, Seema. I think that was so educational. Amazing. I'm so glad. Amazing. And your voice is unforget unforgettable <laughs> well thank you and i hope that this leads everybody to go and explore some form of pleasure because trust me you feel good with it lovely lovely thank you thank you thanks for joining us hope you enjoyed the wellness curated podcast Please subscribe and tell your friends and family about it and here's to you leading your best life